Alrighty. So, who can tell me what last uh, Tuesday was? Valentine's Day. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, just letting you know. Um, but, you know, maybe some of you got a card, or some got flowers, or some got chocolates, or some got a meal out, some had a date. I don't know what you did. I'm not going to ask. Um, but, you know, it's, it's estimated that Australians would spend $485 million on Valentine's Day. That's just Australians. Um, and so, this is just for a point of reference. That's $118 per person. So now, whatever you got or didn't get, you've, you've probably got a gap to fill, is that right? So uh, that's, that's what our nation spends on Valentine's Day. Now I'd like to read you something, okay? Um, let's read this. My dearest love, my heart's... Now don't start vomiting all over the floor, okay? Just, my dearest love, my heart's delight, on this sweet day my love takes flight. With every beat I think of you and all the joy you bring in you. Isn't this lovely? Your eyes are so bright, your smile so warm, my heart is yours forevermore. I cherish every moment spent with you, my love, my dear friend. Yes, it goes on. Another two verses. So here's a poem on this day to say how much I love and pray that we will be, we'll always be together through every storm and sunny weather. My valentine, my heart's desire, you set my soul ablaze with fire. I pledge my love, my heart, my all. To you, my love, forevermore. Isn't that beautiful? Did anyone get a card like that? No? Did Ali get a card like that? How would you? Sure. Um, how would you feel if you received a letter like that? Wouldn't your heart just go? Would you be surprised if I told you I did write that to Ali? Yeah, you don't know what to say there, do you? Actually, I've got something that would surprise you more. Would you be any different? Would you feel any different if you if I told you that that poem was a hundred percent written by a computer? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hopped onto ChatGPT because yeah. all the talk of AI is going on, and so I typed in this phrase into ChatGPT. I said, "Write a Valentine poem," and then it spat that out. So I feel sorry for all the Hallmark greeting card writers. They are now out of a job. A computer has now replaced them. Um, and so the, the outcome, I think, was quite staggering. And what I, but, but the words were amazing, but it had no substance. When I told you that, when, when you think it's a person writing to a person, it maybe makes you feel a little bit, well, that's sort of nice or, or, or you know, or sick, you know, I don't know, or soppy, I don't know. Um, but when you think that was constructed 100% by a computer, it changes out. It changes how we think about it. It, it, has, it has no heart. It has no experience. It has no empathy. It has no meaning. When, when it's not a person to a person, it has no meaning. It has no value. But it's hard for us to tell the difference. It's hard for us to discern what is true and what is false. You know, in the last three months, the, the, the rise of... Uh, artificial intelligence, probably been more on the media than, than we'd like to have, uh, not like to know, but you, you've got AI generated music, you've got AI generated artwork that is sort of, uh, people aren't sure did a person paint that or did a, a computer paint that. Um, we've got uh, AI sitting, uh, they've been running the English HSC papers for them and they're passing. 
In America, they're running the American bar exam and they're passing, or the medical, uh, the, the American medical exam, and they're passing and you go, man alive, what a crazy world we live in. I asked it to write a, few, a bunch of other things, but it didn't really work that well. Um, but what I, I guess what I'm trying to touch here, I'm not, it's not a message about AI, but it's a message that is showing us that we are living in a world that is accelerating. A world that technology is just is on the it's accelerating faster than we've ever experienced before, and technology has tremendous benefits. I mean, who's got a bit of technology in their pocket at their moment? Now you've got access. I remember back in the uh, in the seventies, we had people coming selling us encyclopedias. Okay, now who had who had the Britannic cassette? Yeah, no, we didn't. We we went for the cheap version. We went. I've got to say this carefully. We had the Funk and Wagnalls. Yeah. Anyone else have them? Don't say it fast, but we had that. And uh, so we, the people come and they sell us encyclopedias and we stick them on the shelf. And we, in the school time, we, we, we pull, pull open the Britannicas and we, and we look up the articles and we, we write it all down. And we feel good because we got access to the, in those days, the Britannicas, that was the knowledge of all the world. But now you've got that you're sitting on yours. You're sitting on all the knowledge of the world. You've got access to whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Whether it's on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, on your screen. We live in a world where technology is, is, is part of who we are and how we live. Um, so technology has some great benefits uh, from health to, to scientific breakthroughs to the, some of the images we're seeing on the James Webb telescope are amazing. Some of the, uh, the, the glimpses of the universe that God created, we're starting to get a bigger glimpse of, even the smallest glimpse of what God has done. Technology has some amazing benefits. We've got Isaac having a surgery, which is just astounding what they're, what they're doing with his valve. Um, technology and science, I mean, uh, wow. How good it is that we have technology. How good it is that we live in a world that is able to, to harness God-given creative ideas and, and to, to bring that to bring help and health to humanity. That's wonderful. Technology, uh, with all, all our entertainment, with all the Netflix and Stan and Paramount and Disney and, and, and all the other plat binge and all the other platforms. We've got technology, we've got movies accessible, whatever we want, whenever we want. We've got a... We've got I'd say gaming, I think that's a lot of... I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who likes playing games, but um, yeah, I didn't... I, yeah, okay. You look at what's happening in quantum computing, if you follow... Anyone following what the advancements in quantum computing and the... That's amazing, all those technological shifts that are occurring in this world that we live in. Yeah, and as Christians, we have untold resources. We, you, you, you're, you can think of any Bible verse that you're not so good at quoting, and you can type it in something like this, and it comes up, and you go, ah, that's the verse I was looking for. You don't need to flick through your Bible or, or ask someone. Or you, you, you've got, we've got, as a church, we, we give access to Right Now Media. If you're part of our church and you don't have access to that, let us know. We've got a password you can sign up for, and you can have access to the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. You can have access to basically every Christian Bible. Bible study video that's ever produced on, online. You've got sermons. You, you can listen to sermons from the best preachers in the world, alive or dead. You've got access to so much stuff as Christians. Your your Bible. You can pick up a translation. You can go to Greek. You can you can pick up a commentary. You can hear and read and fill yourself with up with all sorts of information. Technology is so beneficial in many ways. 
And uh, it's what an amazing time for us to be alive, but it's also a challenging time. Because the same technology that we love and use and, and brings benefit and, and, and life and, and hope and excitement and, and entertainment, that same technology is used across the world to bring, to bring death and destruction and, 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 and social media that, is, that is, uh, can be used for good or it can be used to pull down people or, or, or people are struggling with identity and value and trying to figure out, should I look like that? I'm, my, my life is, if your life is represented by your social media posts, nothing ever goes wrong. You know, or some people, all their posters, all their bad stuff. You know, but you know what? Our technology can create so much havoc in our hearts and our minds. We have our all. We've got emails that are coming at us all the time. We've got notifications. Our our phones. Our Twitter. We've got so much going on in technology, and um, we are as Facebook or social media. We're more connected to one another. We've got so many more friends than we thought we ever had, but we're also much further apart. You know, we see uh, technology having a negative impact on families and marriages. We've got, we got the ability for us to do so many things and it's, it's, it's frightening in some ways. Technology is going so fast and, and it's, it's, leaving our, it's leaving our society. And, uh, and you find mental health issues are escalating, depression, identity. All those things are all being fed or shaped or influenced by culture and technology. Two years ago, our government was saying, here's some money, spend it. Remember that? Remember all the handouts, all the, all the, all the bonuses, all the, uh, the middle of COVID, government was so generous trying to kickstart our economy. That was two years ago. Now we're at a, at a place where our economy is tanking when our insurance, uh, sorry, our, well, insurance is bad enough, but uh, our interest rates are going up, mortgages, all this stuff that's going on. There's a level of stress and pressure and that's going on. And, and for kids, you know, you, you've got a world that is so different than it was two years ago, as we all do. Um, and so some people need to work more than one job, some they're trying to pay rent increases and mortgage increases. And so it comes me to the title of the sermon that I have this morning. I would given the, the challenges that our world is living in and the and the stress and the risk and the fear and what's going on in the across the globe, John Lennon would write, All you need is love. That was your part. I'll do that again. All you need is love. That'll do. Okay, because I need to do it again, so I won't. Um, I would challenge John Lennon because it didn't work for him. How many years ago was that? Written. Long time ago. 55 years ago the song was released. Is, is love going to fix all these problems? Is love all you really need? That's the question I want to explore and, and touch on as we, as we sit on the other side of Valentine's Day 2023. And as we, as we look at a world and a society that is rapidly accelerating and shifting and changing and morphing, and in many ways we are, it seems, out of control, is love all we really need? Although it sounds beautiful and poetic, it can sound a little bit like the poem that my computer wrote for me. It's, it sounds good, but there's no substance or heart to it. Is love all we really need? And as Christians, I, I ask the question, are we any different to our neighbours that may be as tired or burnt out or as stressed or as busy or as uh, struggling to get by? Are we, are we any different to them? If, if you've got a, a Christian and a non-Christian in a room, given the same circumstances of technology or, or 
or children or, or parents or families or all that type of stuff, is there a big difference between us and them? Should there be? How do we as Christians flourish? How do we as Christians flourish in this high-speed world? How do we as Christians find rest for our souls? How can we lead our family and our friends and, and the people who work around us to a place of peace? That's what I'm going to talk about today. A uh, verse that we've been talking about a fair bit is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And I'm sure if we're Christians, if you're here today and you're a Christian, I'm sure you'd agree, yeah, Jesus gives us rest. I'm sure all of us would cognitively, cognitively agree that we do find true rest in Jesus. We find rest from striving, rest from, rest from trying to achieve, rest from trying to be perfect, rest from, uh, rest from a religion, rest from trying to do things in our own way to please God, rest from, from condemnation of sin, rest from uh, shame, rest from guilt. In Jesus we know, and Scripture teaches, yes, we do have rest for our souls in a spiritual sense in Jesus because he is complete. The work on the cross gives us perfect rest. And he is our perfect rest. If that's the case, why are we as Christians? Well, why am I? Maybe you. Why can't we get stressed out and, and, and struggle and, 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 and all this stuff starts creeping in and up on us? And so, the, the, it seems really simple. Oh, oh brother, Jesus is the answer. There's more, got to be more than that. Yeah, I know Jesus is the answer. I know what they're trying to say when someone says Jesus is the answer. We used to sing a song that Jesus is the answer for the world today. I get that. And I believe, I, I 150% believe that Jesus is the answer. But there's got to be context around Jesus is the answer. It's, it's a world that doesn't even know who Jesus is. A world that would consider Jesus on the equal footing as, as a Santa Claus or a mythological creature. Or, and, and we live in a world that doesn't acknowledge history or even with all the technology in our pockets, a world that is so far away from truth. <coughs> Friends, Jesus is the answer. I know that, but let's dig a bit deeper into that. Because, yes, Jesus is the answer, but Jesus tells us in this verse that the key is more than just him being the answer. It is us coming to him. Jesus says, I've got a gift for you, a gift of rest. How do you get a gift? You need to go and receive it. <coughs> My water thinks him. And so it's, it's a simple thought. Come to Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if I could say, church, come to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Thank you. Goodbye. Is that enough? Because you know that. How do we go to Jesus? How do we intentionally come aside with Him? I said it's simply simple, but it's actually quite challenging. The idea of coming to Him is a, is a, is a concept of intimacy. If, you, if you're coming someone you're there's proximity involved there's intimacy involved there's togetherness involved there's there's being one involved there's being near each other involved 
But when we're so busy, hurry, going from this to this, living in a world where we've got so much stuff going on in our minds and our hearts, the very thing we need in our time of being with Jesus, the very thing we need is the very thing that seems to be sliding to the bottom of our priority list. Matthew tells us the story of a religious expert who went to Jesus with a great question. He said to Jesus, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important, love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet, prophets are based on these two commandments. Now it seems to me that John Lennon got it half right. Half right. He said, it's all we need, according to that scripture, is love all we need? Yes, but there's got to be more than that. And there is. So we are called just to love our neighbour as ourselves, which is important. I think that's what John Lennon's whole message, written in a time of war, was designed as a political statement. They would also say, we need to just love one another. The Beatles and a bunch of others would write a song about love and just, let us love one another. And that's, that's not a bad message. It's not a bad message, but it's an incomplete message because that type of love is not all we need. And so uh, <coughs> Jesus is saying, Yes, love our neighbour, but more importantly, love God with everything we have. With our heart, our soul, our mind, our schedules, our bank accounts, our thoughts, our words, our bodies, our, our, our everything that we have. Love God and love others. And as Christians, we do talk about, well I talk about this often, I talk about us loving, having a vertical relationship of God, love, which is love with God, love, loving God through Jesus. And then I talk about a horizontal relationship about loving one another. But I have found, as I look at my life over the short few years I've existed on this planet, only one person's laughing. It was good, I'm thanks for that. I think it was Gabby. So, that is Sarah. So, as I reflect on this, loving God, loving others, I found that with my best intentions, I come up short. I come up short. I'm, I, I'm not as, as loving as I'd like to be. Anyone else relating to me on this one? Loving God, how about loving others? Yeah, there's, often I find myself, when I'm tired or flat out or hurried, Often I find myself critical, negative, lethargic. Sometimes I just don't have enough time to build the relationships that I need. Sometimes choosing to do other things that consume my time. Netflix, Googling stuff, news feeds. Now the next two I've written that I don't do. Watching sports. TikTok. It seems, it seems very much, where we're looking for, we're trying to find ways. So when we do get a bit of downtime, we fill it up with stuff that I, I'm not convinced actually renews us or refreshes us. You may be to get a bit of a giggle on some funny things that are going on, but it doesn't really give us rest for our soul. And it seems to be an endless cycle. 
Now, as I said, it could just be me understanding that, you know, I'm, 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 I'm loving God, loving others. I'm not quite there. It could just be me. And I'm so grateful that God accepts me wherever I am. I'm so grateful that God doesn't demand me to, to live a life of <coughs> performance or perfection or, or striving or trying to be anything to anyone except be a child of God and, and, and to love Him uh, and to, 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 to live a life that is uh, with Him as my centre. And even when I mess up, He picks me up. Even when I fail, He restores me. And this happens. And, and I'm so grateful for God's grace. And I'm so grateful for His love. I'm so grateful that He accepts me and redeems me and restores me and sets me free. And, he, and my chains are broken and I'm, 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 I'm righteous because of Jesus. I'm so grateful for that. But I still wish I could do better. Not from any sense of striving. I wish that maybe my, my approach to God and my approach to my life, I, I, my heart is that as I grow in my Christian journey that I'll be able to love God better. Maybe love others better as well. So that's me. What about you? In, in, in the concept of loving God and loving others, how would you score yourself? This is not, there's, there's no pass or fail in this, okay? You might give yourself a one, hey, that's a pass. You might, get, you might give yourself a zero thinking, you know what, I'm not even a Christian or I've got, I'm not it or, or I, I'm not yet or I don't believe this. You know what, even that's a pass with a heart that says, you know what, I, I want to figure this out. That's a win. So before you score yourself between one and ten and five is, five is not pass or fail. I'm just wondering, how would you score yourself? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or get you to line up across the front. But if you had a, a sober look at yourself and thinking, how am I going with loving God? How am I going with loving others? Then, then I'll ask the question, what impact, what impact do you think the pace, the hurry and the distraction of this world impacts your ability to do those things? Does there some impact at all? And my next question is, are you prepared to do something about it? Do you want to do something about it? Do you, do you desire to have some element of change in your life? Now, as you're aware, we've been talking about Sabbath for a few weeks. And chances are, if you're anything like me, when I the, the idea of the word Sabbath because of the way I brought up and, uh, and it was something that was just weird and something of oh, I don't want any of that is legalistic. It's Old Testament. It's blah blah blah. And and it, you know, I got stuck with you know just because of my experiences or what I've heard. I'm thinking, oh, these, these people. What day? Saturday? Sunday? What about Jesus being our full Sabbath? And all this type of stuff go around in my head. And the language of Sabbath, the word Sabbath, yeah, a word only has value in what it means to you. I, I could say, I, I could think of the word um, uh, love, for example. Now, depending on your interpretation of love, you will interpret it whatever way you want. I can say, I love pizza. Now, depending on your definition of love, that could be really weird. Um, you see, see, a word only has value, a word only has meaning, based on your understanding of the word. So the word Sabbath, depending on your understanding of the word Sabbath, that could be something that is something that the Jews used to do from Friday night to Saturday. They couldn't walk, they couldn't work, they couldn't do anything except 
and to accept stare at their belly buttons all day and read the Bible. And, and if, that, if that's what Sabbath is, I, I'm not too interested in that, actually. I'm not too interested in just, just doing a thing, or actually not doing it. Sabbath is more defined by what we don't do than what we do. And so, so the word Sabbath, when we started talking about this, even at an eldership level, we started to talk about this, we're all understanding it comes with baggage. It comes with us thinking what I think of Sabbath, and, and then that we already have a preconceived idea about it. And so, as a church, we want to we have a conversation about this. Yeah, for me, I used to dismiss it, I used to write it off as unimportant, or, or, or if anything, for most of us as, as Christians, we probably, in fact, most of us would probably say, Sabbath is our Sunday, we only go to church and worship, which I think that's a beautiful part of it. But often we um, then fill the rest of our day with social activities, or hopping onto your emails earlier so your week's a bit better or your, your assignments done at school or, or trying to get on top of stuff. And so I think we may have misunderstood of what God's intention regarding Sabbath is. I, I think we may have misunderstood the, or we may miss the heart of Sabbath. And in a minute we are going to watch the, the five minute video from John Mark Coleman because I think he expresses what we're trying to do well. Because um, ultimately, God's plan for His people was for us to find rhythm and rest. Rhythm, yes, God's plan is that we are fruitful and active and, and, and tending our, our the, certainly tending the garden and in the Garden of Eden or tending our work or our studies and our families and our responsibilities. God's plan is, yes, that we do have rhythm and we do have work. Jesus was far from lazy. Jesus didn't actually, he was, he was actually, there, there was a healthy amount of activity that Jesus did, but he also understood rest. He understood rhythm. And so we want to talk about that. We want to talk about it with all of us. Because um, God's plan, perhaps from my understanding, that God's plan of rhythm and rest includes us finding intentional time to do that. And that's sort of where we're trying to get around. How can we, in this busy, chaotic world, make intentional time to work on our horizontal relationship with God and our so it's vertical or horizontal with one another? So, so during March, we are going to talk about it. We're going to explore what God's plan for rhythm and rest is um, over the month. Uh, it's not going to be legalistic or you've got to do this or you have to do it this way. Hey, friends, it's a conversation. We want to find out what's, what's in your heart. How can, how can each one of us together align our hearts in a greater way uh, toward God and to one another? How does the idea of Sabbath or rest impact us as a community of followers of Jesus? And what that looks like will be different for so many people. Different for uh, if you've got young kids or if you're retired or if you're a professional, whether you're, whether you're single or married or family. Every one of us has a different context and it will look very different to each one of us. But at least let's talk about it. Um, and the best part, for four weeks we're going to do this together. Uh, we get to share our, our ideas. We can say what's worked for you, what, what hasn't worked, what, what, you, what you've done to, to, to have intentional time with God. And I've already had a bunch of these conversations with a bunch of people, and I think it's wonderful. Everyone really wants to give time to God and give time to one another. We've just got to talk about how that can look in many different ways. 
um, 